Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Caged In Presents Copla Connections. As ever, brought to you by the Breadcrumbs Collective and hosted by me, the one, the only, Petros Patsilamus. This is episode 44 and what we do here on this dear podcast, if you haven't listened before, is we watch every single film in the collective Coppola family filmography to determine are they the greatest film family of all time. I do not do this alone, even though I do do that alone in my spare time, but that is another podcast entirely. Um, yeah, I'm joined by a guest and I've got a great one for you this week, a Breadcrumbs Collective alumnus, uh, Ariane Antipoutry. Um, and it was a fantastic chat uh, about, about a film. I'm not. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to. Um, I don't know. I don't want to give anything away. I don't want to. Don't splooge my life too early in regards to what I thought about this film. But uh, yeah, this conversation goes to some great and wonderful places. Um, I, I often feel like things we reference are probably ancient to people uh, now. But yeah, we talk about the the joys of a three star film. In um, oh, maybe I've given away my thoughts on this film, but. Uh, yeah, we, we talk about a lot of fun stuff in this episode. But as always the case, there's plenty of spoilers down the road you're about to, about to embark upon. So if you haven't seen this film, go watch it. It's fun. You'll, you'll enjoy it. So I guess all that's left to do is to twitch your nose, get an acting role based on that alone, fall in love with your co-star, and try and suppress your witchy ways as we get bewitching and start to make some Coppola connections. Time to twitch your noses and cast some spells as we look at Nora Ephron's 2005 meta rom-com reimagining of Bewitched. 
based on the Soul Sax 1960 sitcom written by Delia and Nora Ephron and directed by the late great Nora Ephron. The film stars Nicole Kidman, Will Ferrell, Michael Caine, Shirley MacLaine, and today's Coppola connection, Jason Schwartzman. Joining me to see if the Coplas have that magic touch of the greatest film family of all time, or just a lazy reboot, is comedian, writer, musician, fellow breadcrumber, and host of A Drip Town Lemony Main franchise, and previously of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Ariane Andaputri. How are you, Ariane? Hi, Petros. I'm good. How are you? I'm very well. It's been a long time coming to have you on the pod. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> uh, we recorded something else together before, before yes. we did your podcast, yes. which, is, yeah. which is so wild. <laughs> yeah, was, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that was a, for Flix Watcher. And I remember that. It like, was, yeah. You, you need someone else. And I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't have a co-host. I was like, uh, let's keep it the breadcrumbs family. Like, yeah, I was like, yeah. So, tell us about your kind of you, you kind of darting around all over the place with podcasts. Like, mm-hmm. like how did how did the how did the post Charles and cast start? Because I I never I've never asked Jonathan, even though I've like spent, really spent, spent a lot of time with him. Yeah. I feel like he tells this story to everyone he encounters. Um, so the Pod Charles Cinecast, John had been talking about how much, like, oh, I should start a podcast. I should start a podcast of like do all the, promote all the films at the cinema or something like that. That's not his accent. I'm just doing a general American one because Jonathan is American for the listeners that don't know. Um, and one day I was like, dude, you should just do it. I'll do it with you. Um, and then he was like, okay 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 yeah let's do it let's do it and then we were trying to come up with names and then um i said uh, what if we switch around the letters i was like ari what do you mean what what about the pod charles cinecast um <laughs> and then um paul vickery our, our programmer at the Prince charles laughed and i was like if paul laughed at that we're gonna do that that's the one <laughs> that's the one and then yeah the pod charles cinecast was born at first it was jonathan and i and we would record at the cinema um and then i left the cinema in late 2019 and phil and caroline came on to replace me Uh and they're brilliant they're lovely um and then the pandemic hit and they just started recording at home over zoom as we are doing right now um i was supposed to come up and see you but i was so (laughs) run down as you can hear in my voice that i can't i was like i cannot get on a train right now i'm so sorry and it's so hot today it's ridiculously hot yeah yeah I'm sweating out in the, I call it the famous shed. I think I'm trying to make it famous. Like I'm kind of like trying to make the, the legend, do you know what I mean? Like the, people, the podcast shed. Yeah. So people are like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and like when I, in, when I say like, oh yeah, there's like I put out on Twitter sometimes. Like, oh, anyone who's like got a guest spot, like, feel free to come to the shed. And somebody like, was like, I think I, I think I said like, oh, it's got a sofa in it. It's like, it's quite nice. Like you can see, like, <laughs> see my back garden. Like, yeah. A uh, friend of the podcast, Matt Brothers, pointed out, he's like, that's Shout what, out, Matt. Yeah, that's what a serial killer would say. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I feel like, the, I don't know, am I the H.H. Holmes of podcasting? Like, oh, my God. <laughs> a, a murder oh. shed. <laughs> the murder shed. The, the one and only, the, the most famous murder shed. Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm sure uh, yeah. at some point in the future, Nicolas Cage will buy it as a... Uh, one of his yeah. one of his oddities and antiquities <laughs> that he he loves to, he loves to buy now he's now he's his memorabilia kind of, yeah now his money's uh on the up and up again he, mm. can, he can um 
frivolously buy stuff like my... yeah dear nick buy my shed yes <laughs> i need air conditioning thank you love petra <laughs> so yeah tell us a bit about um a trip mm. ta- on lemery main i'm i'm mm-hmm. kind of uh, proud that i said that not once but twice yeah i know congratulations it's the worst (laughs) name ever but i think it's funny um and i love watching people struggle as a comedian i think messing with people is just you know the lifeblood of of all everything um so drip town lemory main i started on impulse as i do many things i'm an incredibly impulsive person um I thought it would be fun to do something where I get to talk about stuff that I liked growing up mm-hmm. with um, people that I grew up with. And it's often, um, I'm quite young, um, as of now I'm turning 24, so I'm not really old enough to be experiencing any sort of like nostalgia, but all the nostalgia I do have is for the 2000s and the 2010s, which is again, not too long ago. So it's just, um, yeah, my mates and I talking about Disney Channel shows we used to watch or books that we read growing up or Taylor Swift songs that have aged well or not well, you know, Um, and we have a lot of fun. I'm taking it a little slow because I'm not, you are super dedicated and you're so good at this. I'm like the the opposite. I'm the breadcrumbs bad sheep. <laughs> like I have an episode once every couple months and that's when like I can get time to, to record with someone. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah. I'm just, I, I know myself too well in the fact that if I take, if I give myself an inch, I will take a mile. So if I take like, <laughs> if I take like a little bit of time off, it's like, I did that before. I was like, you know what? Mm. I'm going to put the podcast on pause for a little bit and took yeah. two years off. And like, oh my gosh. to the point where when I came back, it was like, I might as well have been a new podcast. Cause I think like, yeah. like, uh, everything is like unsubscribed. Like, cause I think I'd stopped paying <laughs> my like podcast hosting fee. So like, <laughs> I'd been like every, all, all my listeners had like had to resubscribe and stuff like that. It's like I've basically started from the ground up, even though I've got like eighty episodes of a podcast out there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I I I, I do empathise with you on that point. I just, yeah, it's tough, man. Yeah. Especially if you're like the one editing it yourself, producing it yourself, and, yeah. and you know, and then be like, Jonathan, can you help me with this thing? And he's like, Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I- I totally get, uh, t- t- yeah, I 100% get you on that point. Yeah. There was something you mentioned that I wanted to uh-huh. uh, trail back to, but it's totally escaped my mind. I'm sure it will come to me. <laughs> I'm sure it will come to me at yeah. like 3 a.m. Mid- yeah. 3 a.m. this uh, tonight when I'm like kind of in my bed worrying about all of the f- mistakes I've made in my life. This will be <laughs> this will be one of them. It won't even be tonight, actually. It will be in about yeah. 10 years' time. Oh. Yeah, I'll, I'll get a message being like, oh, do you remember when we recorded the Bewitched episode? <laughs> what what it was actually is you were saying mm. about like the the like yeah having nostalgia for times mm-hmm. that don't oh well not necessarily don't deserve nostalgia but kind of a lot of people wouldn't be nostalgic for because they're yeah. so close is i'd be re- i'm really fascinated to see what that kind of take is going to be like in like 10 years because yeah. like we're living in a time that is so like i don't know if it was like all of the all of the content we're fed is so nostalgia baity mm-hmm. already. Yeah. And it feels like a, a, a kind of uh, perfect, like kind of subject matter to be talking about seeing as we're talking yeah. about a film that is kind of, exactly. yeah, deals with that, that thing. Yeah. Cause obviously, yeah. Now 
what is that Marvel leveled with everything is like you remember this or yeah Stranger Things you know what I mean like one of the biggest Gosh. TV shows ever it's just like literally do you remember the 80s people who weren't at like a show that's aimed <laughs> at people who like weren't even there like as we've seen with like like yeah it's it's not aimed for people in the 80s because no. Kate Bush has gone to to number one again like so people are going I've never heard this 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 song before and there's yeah obviously there's nothing bad with oh that, my god but... when people every all these kids are like oh my god running up that hill and I'm like oh, oh my gosh oh my gosh great song I oh I love that song but it's just so funny seeing people like my brother's age just being like have you heard this song I found out about the song through Stranger Things and I'm like Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I'm like that. Wait, wait till you hear cloud busting, guys. Your, your minds are going to be blind. I'm, the, I'm there like old man. Like, wait till you get to the deep cuts on Hounds yeah. of Love. You're going to love it. Oh. <laughs> uh, amazing. Well, one of the things I like to do is to start off this podcast is always ask mm -hmm. my guests, what was your kind of introduction to the Coppola family like? And mm -hmm. yeah, probably would have been a person, but when did you, who was that person? And when did you become aware that? There was more of them. Do you know what I mean? There's kind of this, I don't know, skeletons falling out of the, the, the family. Oh, yeah, loads of apples falling out of the family yeah. tree, as it were. Yeah. Well, I think my first exposure was definitely Francis Ford Coppola. Mm. Um, watched The Godfather. My dad is a huge, huge fan of The Godfather. Um, but it was one of those things where, like, I was too young to understand how much it meant not just to him, but to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I saw Marie Antoinette <laughs> when I was like 14, maybe. And I was like, holy shit, this is incredible. <laughs> and then, of course, when when I watch something when I was 14, I become completely obsessed with it and, and Google every single thing about it. And I was like, oh, wait, she's that guy's daughter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, and then I went uni and I saw the conversation for the first time and it I was just like, oh, I'm sold. I'm in. <laughs> and then that's when I think I went to a screening of it that Walter Murch had a, he he's talked, he had a talk afterwards. Uh -huh. I met him. He's wonderful. Shook his hand. I felt invincible. <laughs> I, was, I was like 19 and I was like, you know what? I just got superpowers. Like <laughs> I, could, I, I could edit Apocalypse now, right now. Literally. Give literally. me all that footage and I'll, I'll figure it I all was out. Like, I could do it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to use Avid to save my <laughs> life, but now i can because i just shook this man's hand um but yeah before that and then um before before the the end of the film a friend of mine that i went to the screening with leaned over just being like sorry do you know that nicholas cage is related to francis Ford Coppola?" and i was like you what i was like you mad I was like, what, are you, what are you on about and then of course i googled it and i was like holy shit wow so that was my sort of yeah francis ford sophia and then of course it comes back to nick good old nick so when did you find out that Jason Schwartzman was a member of the Coppola family? Obviously, our Coppola connected uh -huh. with this episode. When did you kind of, was there like a penny drop moment for that? Or, 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 or yeah, do you remember? Yeah, um, I don't know if I remember a moment, but I remember, um, so, yeah, I, I used to work at the Prince Charles and of course we screen a couple of Wes Anderson films and I remember, I think it was just a co-worker being like, it was, yeah, the Darjeeling Limited or something. And then a co-worker was just like, oh, yeah, did you know that he's a Coppola? And I was like, you what? Mm. That's... Then, yeah, I was like, there's more of them again? Yeah, <laughs> that's a really interesting film as well. Because kind of yeah. like, since I've started on this journey and kind of like looking at those films in like mm. an analytical eye, it's not one that's been covered on the podcast yet, but like 
kind of seeing photos of Roman Coppola who co-wrote it with yeah. Jason and Wes uh, and like just that dynamic of like three siblings and like you kind of look at the Coppola family uh, so, there was well, uh, their, their older brother passed away but there's Gina Carlo, mm. Roman and Sophia Coppola mm-hmm. uh, Francis is like one of three children yeah. like there's there's a lot of threes in the family yeah, yeah, and yeah. then yeah when you see uh roman coppola you you almost like i don't know adrian brody in those like kind of sunglasses is like yeah. the hollywood version yeah of roman of roman coppola. Coppola, and then yeah. their whole kind of story arc is living up to this like successful father and it's like oh this isn't a wes anderson film this is like no. this is a roman yeah. coppola film this is like all from kind of you can imagine yeah a lot of that stuff came from him and jason probably sharing that even though he's like kind of removed being a cousin yeah. but oh no he probably feels it himself with his mum oh, being yeah. uh talia shire like so yeah. so it's like yeah so understand that thing of oh fuck i i just got i, I got born into this family and like do you know what now what do i have to do yeah yeah my uncle is directed like two of the great like do you know what I mean? arguably four yeah has one of the best runs in like hollywood history film that is like decided as like a turning point in mm. american filmmaking with the godfather it's like fuck what what do i do now and then it's kind of yeah it's filtered into that that's why i think yeah that that film is probably like the most personal film that yeah. wes anderson's made and i think it's interesting that it's kind of it's not his experience that's the personal aspect yeah. of it. it feels like it's, it's somebody else's which is great yeah it's really great yeah i love that film <laughs> So, um, have you ever met a Coppola? Obviously, you said you've you've met Walter Murch, but have you ever, yeah, yeah, have you ever been to like a a screening? Sophia's there or any of the other Coppolas? Oh my god, no! I wish I had. Um, my goodness, I went to um, our our mutual friend Hannah Strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to her book launch party at the BFI. I Amazing. think the second week I got here, or the I, I can't even remember, and she screened. The Bling Ring, again, one of my favourite films, and uh, Gus Van Sant's To Die For, another Nicole Kidman classic, which, oh, chef's kiss, literally, to me, the perfect double bill, To Die For and Bewitched. Two films about Nicole Kidman playing a deranged woman in entertainment. Um, (laughs) But no, I haven't met Coppola. The the amount of times I keep sort of mentally manifesting, like, when am I going to meet Nicolas Cage? Like... I feel like it should happen, and that way I can meet Pedro Pascal. Um, so we will, you know. <laughs> yeah, because uh, it's, it's a long, elaborate scheme. <laughs> I, I kind of have similar. Like, I've had like dealings with like I had a, I had a, mm. like a, a Facebook exchange with Christopher Coppola, like Nicolas oh, Cage's brother. Yeah, um, and then yeah, friend of the podcast and like massive, massive champion for this Al Horner, uh, host mm. of Script Apart. Uh, put out a thing that he's doing like a kind of talk with Sophia Coppola and like I just messaged him instantly and like oh my can, you, can you just tell her about my podcast like yeah as, as creepy as just that like may slide sound it, slide it into the conversation yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like, be like yeah. oh yeah uh, yeah a friend of mine uh has dedicated basically his whole life <laughs> to watching not just yours but your entire family's filmographies <laughs> um so yeah, we were talking about Jason Schwartzman. What 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 would have been the first Jason Schwartzman film? Would it have been Darjeeling Limited or would you have seen something before that? I think 
I, I would have seen uh, the Darjeeling Limited when I was a lot older, but not like super, like not in my 20s, but definitely in my late teens. Um, but I think the first thing I saw of him might have been, if not Bewitched, Scott Pilgrim. Mm -hmm. As in like, I probably watched Bewitched around the same time, like, because I would have seen Scott Pilgrim in theatres. I'm pretty certain I did. Um, but Bewitched was one of those like, I didn't even know he was in it until I was like, oh, wait, right. <laughs> He's the sleazy fucking managed agent guy. Shit. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was probably it was probably Scott Pilgrim, and I was like, oh, he's such a he's so good at being a sleaze bag. Yeah, we'll get onto his kind of penchant yeah. for like, and it's like, yeah, it, something I've I've been noticing kind of watching a lot of the like, yeah, even the films like the Alex Ross Perry films he's in, yeah. or there's a Bob Byington uh, film he's in called Seven Chinese Brothers. He just has mm. this knack of playing real big arseholes but there's yeah. something about him i think it's because he he looks like a perpetual child as well but you're kind of <laughs> like oh, i'll let you off like yeah he looks like a baby he looks like uh, you know owen wilson's long last younger brother yeah and he's he's like he looks quite short do you know what i mean and i kind of yeah. feel like i don't know i could like just put my arm around him and you could give him like a gentle like noogie and he'd be like oh yeah this is just little jason and it's just yeah jason. he's oh, like the kid you would raz in your oh my god there's a there's a kid in my acting class who's 18 he's the youngest and we pick <laughs> on him all the time and i feel like that's jason sort of <laughs> just like in the the general spirit thing yes yeah yeah well, yeah. Well, let's yeah, let's talk yeah. about Bewitched and how much yes. of an arsehole uh, Jason Schwartzman is in it. But before we yeah. do that, let's quickly listen to the trailer. Yes. Just when his career Sherpa! hit an all-time low, movie star Jack Wyatt is getting one last shot. It's Bewitched. We're redoing it. A couple of big names are available for Samantha. I want an unknown in the lead. The nose. I mean... Now... Oh my goodness. <gasps> Sorry! After weeks of searching... Don't look, but Jack Wyatt is staring at you. He's found the perfect witch. I need you. Just come and show everyone what you look like when you... What? Wiggle your nose. <laughs> Marry me. Be my TV wife. Say yes. Yes. Yes! But she can never let him know... But you are a witch. I know, but I'm not going to be one anymore. ...just how perfect she really is. I am through with just snapping my fingers and getting my way. Uh, no breakfast after 11? Oh. My absolutely last thing. idiotic and yet i find him completely charming don't do this he'll get this close and when he finds out about if you, he loves me he won't care there's something i need to tell you i'm a witch <laughs> he's gonna accept me he's got to she's a witch <laughs> it's still me i'm a little freaked out right now i know but i can't change what i am we should do a hex to behave. I just happen to be in the neighborhood with these roses and a Cat Stevens CD and this bracelet. Well, if it isn't my spellcasting magical daughter who gave up witchcraft. This isn't what I wanted. I want to be like everyone else. Money. That was my last thing as a witch.
work? Am I gonna get wet feet or grow horns? Huh? Am I gonna get pregnant? Because I cannot get pregnant right now. So this film was released on June 24th, 2005 with a budget of $85 million and a box office return of $131.4 million. Ariane, do you mind mm. having uh, taking the pleasure of uh, giving us a plot synopsis for this film? What is Bewitched all about? I will try my best. Um, Bewitched follows... Um will ferrell as the actor jack wyatt who's kind of a washed up movie star trying to get a he's doing television as a comeback and that comeback is a reboot of bewitched the 60s sitcom um and then we meet nicole kidman's character isabel who is an actual witch very similar to samantha in bewitched um she can do the nose twitch she wants out of you know, her witch culture, her witch life, which her parents don't approve of. I've said the word witch so many times. I'm sure we're going um, to. I'm sure, I'm sure we're going to say witch. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> should do a witch count. Uh, for yeah, the, a witch for, count for this podcast. I'll put a ding. I say this. I go give myself some homework. I'll put. I'll put a ding in every time witch is said. Just the <laughs> witch. Oh, and mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Isabel finds herself in the production of Bewitched. And she and Jack have a very interesting, peculiar, magic-fueled, and magic-removed romance. And I feel like that's a that's that's a decent summary. I hope. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. So, what, what, yeah, what is your relationship to this film? When, uh-huh. when, when, when would you have first seen it? I probably would have seen it two thousand. 10, 11, maybe even later. It was one of those films where it was on TV. I actually do remember when I saw it. I saw it on TV, on HBO, sitting with my mum. We were supposed to do something, but we didn't because we were like, "This we've never seen this before. And it's actually kind of fun. My mum and I <laughs> love films like this. She actually really adores um, Nicole Kidman. So, um, yeah, I probably would have been like a teenager when I first saw it. And we do get reruns of Bewitched, like the original um, sitcom in Indonesia, all the time. So it was kind of just like, oh, okay, that's interesting. I didn't know they did it again. Yeah, like, what, what, yeah. what, like, that's what I was going to ask you is what is your kind of relationship to the show? Like, had you kind of, were, were you a fan before, like, seeing the film? Like, I, just... yeah, I'd seen it. I really liked it, but I wouldn't call myself kind of a diehard fan. It was one of those things where, like, if I stayed up too late, and left the TV on, it would be on, and I'd be like, oh, I'd be happy to watch it, you know? Like, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't seek it out, yeah. I think I have memories of it, just kind of like, I don't know, like, yeah, in the UK, it might have been on, like, BBC Two or something like that. Yeah, just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like something that was, like, kind of just, like, ingrained, like, yeah, kind of that sound that like i'm probably going to edit in every time i say every time we say witch, that Yeah, the <laughs> nose twitch sound. Nose twitch sound, yeah, is, is, uh, yeah. is kind of, yeah, like, embedded in my brain and the like i don't know just the kind of the stylings of it like the kind of yeah calls the 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 very kind of i don't know, I guess it is a very 60s style of humor where it's like oh geez marianne like what we gonna <laughs> do do you know what i mean or like oh yeah. samantha like your mother's in town oh no like you kind of like i don't know yeah yeah this... like falling on the bed and and all the practical effects which i were re- like really impressed with when i first saw the show just being like Oh shit, that's so cool. They shot in front of a live studio audience, you know. Yeah. Freeze. 
and then they, they have the magic bit um and yeah i know it, it's it's really fun bewitched and i think the opening sequence is really iconic as well it's very i love lucy like it's just like it's animated it's cute and it, it's it's yeah it's no fuss as <laughs> you know now there's not really that many sort of iconic tv show openings do you get what i mean mm. like like you would get yeah. Uh, you know, footage of New Jersey in the opening of The Sopranos, which is very iconic, I, if I do say so myself. But it's not like, yeah, it's not like something quick and easy and you can be like, oh, yeah. yeah I, think, I think the one that most recently that I've seen, and I haven't actually like got around to watching the show, was Severance. And like, oh, yeah. That's got like a kind of like just watching, like, I think someone shared it on Twitter and I was like, oh, that is the kind of like, that makes me want to watch the show, not yeah. just because it's Patricia Arquette's in it. And uh, yeah, it's a very good. Yeah, yeah, Ben Stiller directed. Yeah. I'm like, oh yes, please. Yeah. Um, Adam Scott is fabulous. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the yeah. name I was trying to think of. Um, so with this film, like, yeah, how, like, I don't know, should, like, where do you want to dive in? Like, do you want to? What, what do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about the the Nora Ephron aspect of it, or yeah, like, yeah, yeah, were you were, were you like a, a, a yeah. Are you a Nora Ephron fan? I am. I adore Nora Ephron. I mean, I haven't seen everything she's made, but I've seen all the hits, obviously, you know, Sleepless in Seattle, When Harry Met Sally. Um, like, I adore When Harry Met Sally. I watch it every single year, the exact same time of the year. Uh, <laughs> every New Year's Eve, I will watch When Harry Met Sally. Um, and Bewitched is a really, in it sits in such a bizarre place in her filmography, wherein that, um it has all the elements of those kind of classic Nora Ephron rom-coms mm. um structurally I suppose but then there's that you know yeah that meta angle of like I could pair this with adaptation it's not as sophisticated as adaptation obviously mm -hmm. but it was so interesting and it's like 2005 like yeah and it's about you know it uh, a show led by that was then led by a woman um that the lead was a woman and it was just really refreshing to see for me re-watching it i was like oh shit this is actually pretty fun like i don't i i know lots of people slag it off and it has i think a terrible rotten tomatoes rating but it's really a lot of fun like it's just really i mean will ferrell's such a oh my god he's exhausting in this We'll my goodness on. yeah like i think i think yeah. we'll, we'll get around to that yeah, yeah there's because this is a first time watch for me like mm. i just and even like to, much to my shame I've, I've seen when harry met sally yeah but I, I i don't think i've seen like most of the the big nora efron hits like mm. this may be like my second nora efron directed film at least like, yeah and the only other one i've seen like much to my shame is michael the, uh, the John Travolta one. The John Travolta Angel movie. That's the that's the one, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've had really like fond memories of that watching that as a okay. kid. So yeah. like, I, I don't know if I'll ever revisit it, but like, I remember, <laughs> like I, remember, I, I think I think if anything, I was kind of blown away by like the the practical effect of the wings coming out of him or something yeah. like that. Because yeah, apart from that, it's all I remember is just a 
John Travolta in a kind of baggy suit walking around. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. Gonna... The poster to that film is horrendous. <laughs> oh my, it, it looks like it's, you, they, they photoshopped John Travolta's head onto somebody else's body and had like, you know, the, the soft glow kind of blending feature that makes it look like, you know, he has a halo behind him, but it's just to hide the fact that it's somebody else's body <laughs> to, to the blending of his face. It's really funny to the, me. The poster they have on IMDb I'm looking at right now, he looks terrifying. <laughs> he genuinely looks like, it looks like a horror film. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. Was it, did he do that movie Step? like stepfather or something like that or like the mm. general yeah he looks he look he looks menacing um <laughs> so yeah you mentioned will ferrell i feel like that that that's a good jumping off point because yeah think, what this is height of this is like the kind of i don't know breakout of not not this film but at least like do you know what i mean he's coming off of yeah man at this point yeah. and snl like yeah, what is it? Let, let's get this out of the way. What is it you find so insufferable about Will Ferrell in this film? Specifically in this film, it's because he plays such a great dickhead in this film. Um, he's God, Jack is annoying. It's one of those Hollywood stereotype characters, which is obviously what he's intended to do, but he's just so... It's really grating sometimes where I'm like, oh my God, just get over yourself, please. Um, but then there is something about him, which I find so funny whenever Isabel is like, I just want, she just wants a man that she can help, that she can fix. Mm. And when, when they first encounter each other, she's like, oh my gosh, you're so sad and so desperate and so lonely. And um, she was so enamored by that. I thought that was hilarious. But um, yeah, there are so many films where Will Ferrell has like a one note quality to him. Um, like he's funny, sure. And I th I think um, his working relationship with Adam McKay now has definitely deteriorated. But when they were working together, he was still kind of not really one note, but he was just playing his characteristics in every, like the same characteristics in every single film and yeah. this is just like the bad parts of of those characteristics if that makes any sense yeah i think like for me it feels like because he's kind of riding so high on that fame yeah that he's kind of just off the leash and like he's like no like nobody's telling him no because i know like yeah. I, I listened to some of the commentary track for this and like nora efron said like improvisation was a big part of this and like yeah. i think she'd been a fan of snl and she said the thing she liked about will ferrell is from watching him on snl and mm. anchorman is she could see he can play these arseholes really well yeah. but there's like a goofy charm to him yeah like he he does see and she she says it really well she says like the dynamic of him and nicole kidman like what she found interesting was Nicole Kidman is so ethereal yeah. and Will Ferrell is so earthbound. But mm. but I think in this film, because yeah, it feels like the I don't know, he's he's running off on these tangents and uh, improvisations all the time, that he is just playing it at eleven yeah. constantly. Like because yeah. like, we like I think He's not giving himself anywhere to go from eleven. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because kind there. of like the, yeah. the first scene we see him in is like him he's yelling at, at Stephen Colbert. Like. Yeah, 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 he's yelling at Stephen Colbert about the, like 
his demands, what he wants as a, as an actor for doing yeah. this like reboot of uh, Bewitched and <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, that like researching that is really interesting. Nor Ephron also like mentioned that when he mentions Cake Day, like mm. and he's like and it has to be a surprise. We have to pretend it's a surprise. She had actually told him a story of like a famous actor, and I did try and Google who who, the, who this might have been, but um, I typed in a sum of money. At like the sum of money that's mentioned and yeah i i, I typed in all, all, all the keywords and it still just uh gave me um a certain celebrity trial that has just finished oh, and i was like i don't want to know anything God. about that i want to know yeah. who demand because they demand that yeah this this actor demanded every friday they get a present that was worth at least uh twenty five hundred dollars that's insane. And they had to they had to act like it was a, a surprise gift every week. That's so they, they had to come up with different ways to like, I don't put it in the trailer one day or like a runner come up to them after a after a shot and like yeah, Will Ferrell ingested that and kind of spat it out. But yeah, yeah, that that. So yeah, what do you what do you kind of I don't know. That is an introduction to a character because that's when we're introduced mm. to Jason Schwartzman as well. What do you kind yeah. of? Um, yeah, what do you make of that as an introduction to uh, the character of Jack Wyatt? And what do you think of their interplay as kind of uh, manager and client? I think it's one of those things where Jason Schwartzman, again, does a brilliant... Those two, they do a brilliant job of playing assholes, but I think two different kinds of assholes on the same spectrum. Mm -hmm. Where I think that um, Schwartzman seems like he does have all the power um but without will ferrell it's like a symbiotic relationship without will ferrell he would not have any of that power um and schwartzman is just a classic but he's playing this classic like douchebag agent be mean be mean to these people because you're the star you're the star he's yeah. just like reinforcing a certain hollywood culture which i thought was really hilarious especially like films about the film industry or films about the industry itself there's always like a the cynicism in it, it it's never like it's a lot of the times it could get depressing but in this case it doesn't because it's just funny because they are just taking the pace of the kind of people that are just too, taking it too serious taking themselves too seriously um and yeah no I thought their dynamic was really really fun I wish there was more of it and I wish that there were moments where um I like that, like what Kristen Chenoweth um, eventually was like, oh, okay, that the agent's kind of cute. Let me go dance with him at the party. And then Nicole Kidman is like, no, 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 <laughs> don't do it. Um, because he's a douchebag and he removed, you know, all the lines I had in my episode. Yeah. Because um, when, when Jason Schwartzman was on screen, I was like, oh, these, he kind of like gets these moments and there's some amazing lines as well. There's, there's uh, a, <laughs> like when he's kind of pep talking. Uh, yeah. Jack White and he's like you're you're gonna be the mayor of Pussytown and he's like uh you need to go over there and be like be like the mayor of Ballsville right now and he's like he's kind of like real kind of asshole platitudes almost like you could imagine uh Ari Gold from yeah. Entourage like he's yeah. kind of playing like that kind of mold like and he does yeah. it really well and there's something innately humorous about him as well like with this kind of I don't know, he's got this kind of very kind of eerie appropriate floppy hair and because yeah. he is quite short do you know what I mean and, he, yeah he looks short, like he's in and his the, dad's the suit, suit 
yeah this suit is not tailored properly <laughs> he walks around in shitty sunglasses like he's definitely that's i could see him on entourage if it was made you know a couple of years earlier than when it came out yeah. like he's the kind of that kind of guy bluetooth headset um, like exactly yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh he yeah phone holsters um <laughs> absolute wanker um but i thought it was hilarious there's that one scene where um it's a nifty piece of exposition i think it's really really cute where you know is nicole kidman's got her back turned but she can hear everything that um, yes yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're both saying and literally like yeah it's the plan is working you know she has no idea that we're tricking her and then she gets up and leaves and they're like did, did, did she hear us <laughs> <laughs> it's so yeah oh so that's funny that, yeah that brings me on to talk about Nicole Kidman the kind of mm. introduction we get to her character because one thing like from watching the trailer mm. before watching this I don't know why I had it in my head that this film would play out differently than it does like I uh. kind of like I had no idea I was kind of pleasantly surprised when I saw the trailer because I was like oh this is meta I kind of didn't yeah. un know what it was going to be I kind of thought yeah. oh they're just gonna modernize um, bewitched, yeah. bewitched in, in some way and i know that Nora efron said like she doesn't see the point in just kind of doing a, a remake or or re she wanted to reinvent it and kind of pay homage to it but mm. also like yeah do something different and speak about different things but um my kind of yeah i thought we would like he was gonna find out that she like the, the kind of conflict in the whole film would have been he finds out kind of first yeah. act she's a witch she's a and then it's kind of that classic like oh we've got to hide it from other people kind of yeah. do you know what I mean like I've especially in that trailer it kind of I don't know like, yeah because that's like what like beginning of the third act yeah when he finds like, reveal out, yeah. like yeah whereas yeah I, was like, I, I don't know if it would have made it a more interesting film or like maybe mm. a more um formulaic film in that that mm. would have been the kind of push and pull for it like yeah what do you yeah. what, like kind of you said it a bit more than me like can you kind of think back to did did you have any expectations with this film or did you kind of just roll with it i think i kind of just rolled with it and i was again pleasantly surprised because i'd never seen anything like that before i was kind of just like oh wait you can make movies about making movies Yes. Um. In in a really fun way. It doesn't have to be in a really pretentious way. It doesn't have to be in like. And and they're doing so much more of it now. At you know, I don't think anything will ever match up to adaptation in that respect. Um. But it's really funny to see kind of how um meta analysis has been reappropriated as like a, hey, here's this cool fresh take we can do. And all they do is just like, yeah, let's uh let's make a movie about how the Godfather was made, but it's just about the people talking about making it. Like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. No, let's not just make a movie about it. Like let's make a ten part to, ten part to, yeah, Paramount miniseries. Plus miniseries. Yeah. Paramount, if you're listening, please give me early access to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> we're not slagging it off. We're not, we're not. We're not. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really interesting um, that that was the angle that she took. And I also think if she were to do what you, what you said of having it become a first act reveal that, oh my gosh, she's a witch and now they have to work together to hide it. It would have it would have felt more faithful to the original show because Darren does find out literally the first episode that, oh my God, you're a witch. 
Um, but I, I thought it was quite fun as well just to see a witch desperately wanting to integrate herself into the the human modern world yes. just being like oh look at all these soda cans that i can open by myself look at the, the vcr that i hate um setting up it's just i thought that was really really cute yeah. um, <laughs> and i think like it's, it's encapsulated really well in the kind of set design and stuff like yeah. that because yeah again Nora Ephron mentioned that she, they wanted everything to look like a heightened normal is the term yeah. she used and i think like that she kind of said it, it's somebody who's read too much martha stewart like home magazines and that's kind of like the set design for, for her yeah. house and stuff yes. like that even on the set that they like on the lot on the studio lot that they do it is even more heightened than yeah yeah you know yeah and 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 i thought that was really really cool um i really adore her like her choices when it comes to production design costume design because um, it's just, it, it, it's really, to me, it's really sophisticated. It's really, really sweet as well. Um, the, well that, that one scene when they, they're about to, she's like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to tell them to go away. I'm not even going to get dressed. And then she, she uh, goes away into the bathroom and comes out in just like a 60s kind of mm -hmm. outfit. And I was like, oh, slay. Oh, I love it. Slay. <laughs> no, I, I, I really enjoy like how this film came about as well. Because yeah. Amy Pascal. Uh, was having a meeting with Nicole Kidman all about Whoa. like potential. Like, Nicole Kidman wanted to do, or a yeah, Amy Pascal wanted to do Bewitched and kind of was meeting with Nicole Kidman about it. And the night before, called Nora Ephron and said, Hey, have you got like, I'm meeting with Nicole Kidman about potentially doing Bewitched tomorrow. Could you like just come up with a, like, the, at least like the germ of an idea? Like that, that, that I could tell her that this like is a is about like and um all she could think about like the kind of hook she gave her was like oh it's a like it's gonna be a, a like a it's reimagining but like the nose like she kind of she looked at nicole kidman's nose yeah and said it's so perfect it's just like the kind of the, the actress who originally played samantha yeah. Yeah. And was like, that's the kind of germ of it was like, oh, it's going to be about trying to cast the perfect Samantha. And then like... In the remake, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I kind of I kind of love that. And I guess, I don't know, I guess if you look at it from like the other angle, like so, some people could look at that cynically and be like, oh, that's why this, that's why this film is yeah. so bad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they yeah. kind of went, oh yeah, they're like... They came up with it the night knows. before, bloody hell. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 um i know i i i, I i'm gonna be honest with you as well like i've i definitely do have some issues with this film oh know. yeah yeah of course we'll, it's we'll, nowhere we'll get into it. i don't yeah i don't think yeah. it's a perfect movie it's not perfect any by any means but it is so much fun uh -huh. um to me anyway what are some of the like your particular favorite scene sequences or moments mm. throughout the film I love all of um, Nicole Kidman's bits where where um, her and Michael Caine, who plays her father, they're just having, you know, he just pops up out of nowhere and tells her that about his little slutty life where she's in the supermarket and he shows up in different, um, what do you call it? Labels of, yeah, yeah, yeah. of, of like, stuff like, in the store. Like Captain Bird's Eye at one point. Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. The green, the, green the jolly green giant. Um, and and whenever she does use magic, I think it's just like I love that sequence where the the her you know her aunt 
comes through the chimney. Oh, let's put a hex on him. And then, and then they do a ritual and the other two mortal women are just like, oh, we're just having a bit of fun. I love all the stuff that they do on set. I love all the auditions of the different Samanthas. When, um, when she gets, oh, my favorite sequence in the film is when she's super pissed off at Jack uh, that the the these guys were carrying a backdrop of a storm and then the storm starts brewing and yeah. she blows the studio doors open with her powers and the fan goes off and she rewinds she can rewind things as part of the spell and I was just like oh yeah there's that moment her. when Jack's ex-wife yeah. comes in yeah it. and it's brutal like she it drops is. like a bit of like rigging well, onto her yeah and then like well, instantly well, goes on lights like <laughs> yeah it's like um. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe murder's not the answer. And like, yeah, there's like some great like, vi uh, like, uh, like I think a very subtle visual joke as well. Yeah. In that, like, she's got red high heels on, and then yeah. when she's kind of crushed by that thing, just for like a kind of split second, like, yeah, we can wait to the west. Yeah, you get yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, and and even like the casting uh, throughout this as well. So, um, uh, the the woman who plays Maria, uh, yeah, Christine Chenoweth. Yeah, and I believe Shirley MacLaine. Yeah, have, I mean Kristen but, Chenoweth was Gilda the Good, like you, know, Glenda the Good Witch. Bo like, bo both know? of Shirley MacLaine yeah. as well, I believe, as well has, yeah. has played has played Glenda. So like, there's like it, it seems weird that like they couldn't get any of the original actors back to make yeah. cameos in this, but they've still they got gone, other witches. Let's get witches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you just yeah. needed a uh, Feruza Bulk to turn up. The craft iconic. Um, you yeah, get that gotten... girl who played Harriet the Spy. Do, did she play? Was she in the Good Witch or like yeah, the the Worst Witch? Was she in that? Like yeah, get all of Hocus Pocus. Um, oh yeah, Bette Midler. Get, yes. yeah, 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 Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker. Um, it would have been sick. <laughs> One thing I wanted to to to, to mention here was in 1993, Penny Marshall. Mm -hmm was going to direct a version of this film Ooh. and i just want to float this cast to you and just yes. kind of like we can we can talk about this version like and uh yeah what, what you would have thought of this so <laughs> it would have been meryl streep as samantha stevens Ooh. barry humphreys in his dame edna everidge persona as <gasps> endora robin williams as uncle arthur Shelley Winters as Gladys Kravitz and Jerry Seinfeld oh my God. and Billy Crystal alternating scenes as Darren in a nod to the like Yeah, they replaced him halfway through the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so they were gonna just do alternate scenes. Oh my gosh. Like I like I read that and I was like, I want that film. I need that film. Yes. Yeah. I need it injected into my veins. And it's like what post death becomes her Meryl Streep. So she's very much still has that like there's a certain sort of gravitas about her star power at we, that time. Yeah, we got like yeah. season four Jerry yeah. Seinfeld. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got yeah, season four Seinfeld, Jerry Seinfeld. And then just halfway through it, Billy Crystal replaces him. And I, that, that's, that would have been perfect. That yeah, been yeah, like, you got, yeah, yeah. Well, you got post when Harry met Sally, Billy Crystal. Oh. Yeah. And then another person who they, they for this version of the film, mm. who, who they went to before they went to Will Ferrell, mm. was Jim Carrey because of his uh, resemblance to Dick York. 
And like ah. for a while, like people were kind of saying, like it's it's kind of it's it's Jim Carrey, right? It's, this film doesn't get made without him. And like they thought, because obviously, I don't know, I don't know if they have like a collective name, but like Will Ferrell's kind of cohort of actors. Do you know what I mean? That yeah, kind of... yeah. His 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 Anchorman gang. They do have a name. I've forgotten what they're called. Then yeah. But like people were like, like none of those guys work because like. Oh yeah, I kind of think about this, and I'm not sure if there is like a a lineage route, but there's something about the the early to mid two thousands where um, these remakes and reimaginings of old TV shows seem to be popular. Like the year before yeah. this, we had Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, and yeah. it's kind of, that that again is like, oh, that was like a that was like a crime drama show. Mm. Let's make it in a kind of like bawdy, uh, like kind of oh, what's his name. Um, uh, Todd Phillips, yeah, Todd yeah. Phillips comedy, like, yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it seems like a weird time for, yeah, for films. Such a weird time for films, but also like, it, it, it was. I feel like now those ideas would become really, really stale in the sense that, like, no one would want to push push it a little further you know i feel like bewitched was actually i was quite impressed with how they kind of committed to all all the nods didn't feel like you know the way the way like we were saying earlier the way all marvel films and shit now are kind of just like well do you remember this do you remember seeing this like i feel like now everything um is referential without a purpose and i feel like in 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 bewitched even if it is the bare minimum there was some a lot more purpose as in like Yes, all the you know the 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 whole sequence with Steve Carell as Uncle Arthur, like that did have a purpose. That was quite surreal, and it was really funny to see. Um, just like yeah, Jack's favorite character from the old show, um, coming to sort of haunt him yeah, yeah, to help like, him get yeah. Let's talk about that because that that that's the kind of sticking point I have in this film where I was like, mm. I don't quite get it. Like it's like, weird. Like, where does that come from? Because obviously, like, and it to make like, yeah, cynically, it just mm. seems like it's a really quickly. Do you know what I mean? Let's just write this in. There's no mm. precedent for this happening before in the film. Let's just kind of to get him to where he needs to go. Let's just yeah. all of a sudden he's not he's not like a a real like because obviously the auntie is a like. A version, yeah. like the real life version of that character. Auntie yeah, Carla. from the show. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Uncle Jack, from what we're led to believe in the film, is not the the real world. Is um, yeah. With, with with Uncle Arthur, yeah, there hadn't been a precedent for for that for for yeah for, for that. Yeah, I just didn't get like like aside what, from the beginning where he was like. My favorite character was Uncle Arthur, so you need to to do Uncle Arthur. And he was like, I could play Uncle Arthur, but obviously, no, like we're approaching you to play Darren. Um, I thought it was it was weird, but I kind of just thought it was funny that it, it got to the point in the so late in the film where the reality that has been established in the film has just gone out the window, even with all the the way all the rules of the magic, like. Um, I love the bits where Samantha, all the Samantha merchandise in her house yeah, start yeah, yeah. like, yeah, I love that. And I feel like that this, you know, Uncle Arthur is appearing to him as a similar thing. Like, we don't know if that was just 
him internalize, externalizing something he was feeling internally or just, you know, yeah, just a nod, um, which is just uh, just to get in there. But um, Yeah, because obviously you can look at it cynically and just be like, it's a, yeah, it's a lazy sure. like kind of script writing thing where it's like, oh, we need a solution to this problem. They need to like, yeah, he needs to get, he needs to understand that all of the things that she, she, like would have happened to get them to that point, whether it's like him seeing her nose or him asking her to be in the show and stuff like that yeah. is on him. She couldn't have like... Yeah, she, she couldn't have cast a spell. Yeah, you know? to make that She had happen. no idea what Bewitched was. Oh no, she wasn't allowed to watch Bewitched. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Michael Caine's character says like, that, that's an insult to our kind and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, it's, it's like, offensive like, to our people. Yeah, Don't yeah. watch it. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I was kind of like, oh, is this, is this just like, and it was a, obviously, yeah, again, it's, it was great to see Steve Carell, what, what again, would have been yeah. like, riding high off of playing Brick Anchorman, in Anchorman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, try, one of the things, yeah, I've got written here on my notes I wanted to, um, wanted to float to you was, yeah. Does Jack have a humiliation kink? Because oh, it seems to be sure. that when she like stands up to him and like, because we get that sequence where they go on a date once she'd put the hex on him and he yeah. was like just insufferably like falling insufferably after. Insufferably sweet, yeah. Yeah, yeah, turning yeah. up with like roses and a... Uh, yeah, Cat Stevens CD, which Stevens, yeah. m- made me chuckle like <laughs> nothing else in that film. <laughs> Um, I was like, what a really specific detail Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that made me giggle. <laughs> um, he for sure has a humiliation kink. I feel like especially characters like that, men like that, they there is a part of them that wants to be told that they are shit. Mm. Um, but also the fact that, oh, because this woman is telling me I'm shit, she is the solution to all my problems so I can become not shit, yeah. which um, is is Jack's journey to me. Um, but yeah, no, he's, oh my gosh. I thought that was, what was really funny was also, she's yelling at him, she's yelling at him, she's yelling at him and, and, and um, it, it becomes such a, she knew in her gut that if she yelled at him, she would get what she wanted, mm-hmm. you know? And who's to say whether or not that's like, magic or just you know she's good at reading people i don't know like um i love that for some reason i'm thinking about that scene where they do improv for the first time and it's just it it, it's just her talking about her life as a witch which i thought was really really cool during rehearsals like that is a scene they actually just improvised as well like around it oh my god i know that um nora Ephron was like comedies work on improvisation like uh, a lot yeah. of the do you know what I mean like you kind of you have the script as a framework and then it's like you can get something obviously you've hired Will Ferrell you know you're probably going to get like I don't know countless amounts of like hours yeah. of just like him riffing or whatever doing bits yeah but um yeah Nicole Kidman was like I'm, I don't I don't I don't really improvise I'm not I'm not good at it and it was only when like yeah Nora Ephron said to her don't worry about being funny in the scene. Yeah. Like, that's why we've hired Will. And then, like, that was the scene they were rehearsing. And she came up with that line, like, at the end, which, like, how long do we have to do this for? And she's like, I'm not sure if it was in character or if it was yeah. Nicole Kidman Nicole herself. Like, 
saying where are like, we going with right, this? Yeah, yeah. Are we done? Yeah. Are we done with this exercise now? And like, I, I kind of, I find that really sweet that it kind of opened Nicole Kidman out to kind of, I don't know, a, yeah. a, a new, a new tool in her repertoire of being yeah. a, an, a, an actor. Because yeah. up until this point, had we seen Nicole Kidman in a comedy at all? Two thousand five. Oh five. What else has she been in by then? I don't know. Um, I I'm still thinking about To Die For. I think about that film all the time. Um, but she's in that. She she does play. It's that thing again of of, of you know playing. One of my my voice um, tutors said this. It was like it's about finding the funny in the tragedy, and that's like where her chops come in. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is like a straight up, it's a straight up comedy. So yeah. I don't know if she's ever, ever done that. But I am obsessed with her in the sense that her filmography has spanned so many different kinds of, mm. so many different, you know, bodies of work. But also she's worked with so many auteurs. She's worked with so many, um, so many really brilliant people that you could kind of forgive I kind of not really forgive. You can you can you can tell that she just likes doing whatever she wants. Oh yeah, well, yeah. You, what's interesting about like the, yeah this lead up to Bewitched, especially like the kind of five years that precede it. So obviously you have like Eyes Wide Shut, yeah, Moulin Rouge, others, yeah. um, Dogville's in there, Cold yeah. Mountain, Stepford Wives, especially with like Cold Mountain. Like, I don't know. There is like a kind of she seemed like she was on like a an Oscar baity run of like doing yeah. these like do you know what I mean like yeah prestige films or yeah, working, yeah, yeah. yeah working with St- Stanley Kubrick like yeah. for one or like trying something wild by yeah working with uh, Lars von Trier and stuff like that and then yeah it just feels like out of nowhere but which like kind of plonks in and then after that yeah it's what like the year after she's in Happy Feet do you know what I mean like, yeah she's kind of like Hey, absolute insane run <laughs> like good on her yeah i can always forgive her accent and um what was it the, the nine nine perfect strangers um because <laughs> she's just brilliant in everything else um but no she's she's fantastic in this because she's just like she's just like really really sweet i think i know i know isabel's very headstrong but She's also just like, I, I again a, a classic Efron female protagonist where she she's not afraid to admit that she just wants to be loved and she just wants to find her own way, and I think that's really cool to 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 add that to her whole oh my god I'm a witch you know like so so how do you think that this like holds up as a as a rom com like do you like is is this is this a decent rom com? Like, yeah, where, where where would you where would it sit for you just as in that as a rom com? Yeah, I I think like I don't know if I would call it a decent rom com because there are elements of it where I find really that it, it does deviate from the sort of classic rom com um, standard. I think for for me, what really does it for me for rom-coms is that I have to like both leads. Yes. I have to I have to be in love with both of them the same way they are in, with each other. And I do not like Will Ferrell in this. Mm. Like, 
I've yeah. seen Anchorman a billion times. I can quote it to you. I love Step Brothers. But like this, I was kind of just like, oh my God, you're exhausting. <laughs> but it was really, it was really interesting to watch how they played off each other. So um, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a you know, conventional rom-com by any means. But there are also some parts of it that were almost too conventional. So it's yeah, nice it almost was like Nora Ephron can't escape. What, yeah like, her you know, own pitfalls yeah she's kind of like yeah i like I even like down to like when she wrote the script like yeah with her sister delia um efron she yeah. they had they knew exactly like the bookshop that they kind of have their like meet cute in they wrote <laughs> the, the exact bookshop into the script because like oh, oh book soup is like the type of place you would have a meet cute and it feels yeah. like Nora Ephron looked at the world through these kind of rom-com goggles where like yeah do you know what I mean like yeah oh, she is the- responsible for many generations of people just having unrealistic expectations of, oh, of definitely. Yeah, yeah 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 she's probably yeah. to blame for every Matthew McConaughey movie where he's leaning Ever. against his co-star yeah in, on the poster on the poster yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. every every degree He's leaning <laughs> is uh, Nora Ephron's fault. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, just yeah, just have a little look of um, what 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 other stuff have we missed? I don't know. Is yeah, is there what are yeah? What are your kind of bugbears with this film? Do you have any kind of like things that like re- apart from Will Ferrell's kind of performance? <laughs> apart from Will Ferrell, is is um, there stuff that kind of I don't get you go? Yeah, I think I think structurally it kind of goes off the rails towards the end of the second act all the way into the third act which is such a shame because they play with form in a really interesting way i really like the rewind bits i like how 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 um magic sort of becomes part of the film language in this film um but that yeah that that this after she resets um the hex um i feel like it was just not as interesting as the first half of the film to me anyway. But um, yeah. And also, I mean, I like a happy ending as much as anyone, but I just feel like I thought it, yeah, like you say, I thought it was, it would go in a completely different direction. um, This film. So that, that rewind after the hex scene seems like to me, like a bit of a having your cake and eat it situation. It's like, we want to do this, but then, Mm. It's kind of like, oh, we want to get rid of the ramifications of that. So yeah. we're just going to, re- we're, gonna, we're like, we've got, we've got magic. And it is that yeah. thing of like. It's a cop out. Yeah. And it's like, there's no real rule set out with the magic. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, yeah. I don't know. There's not like a monkey paw thing that like, if you do. If you do this, this will happen. Yeah. yeah or like, because you have like messed with the kind of sands of time, there is going to be like ramifications elsewhere. It's kind of like she has got carte blanche to do whatever anything. she wants so it's kind of, she wants, it yeah. kind of i don't know it it takes it to, yeah it kind of not that you need it in this kind of film but it yeah it takes uh, and i guess that is that the, the thing in rom-coms is it slightly takes the wind out of the sails of the tension yeah, like, there's less conflict then. I would have loved for there to be more conflict with her father and what other witches will think or yeah, yeah. or how that will impact 
you know, her her identity as a witch outside of, oh, my God, what if he doesn't love me because he finds out I'm this magic freak? Um, but, like, you know, I, I want to know the ramifications of are you allowed to fall in love with humans? Are you allowed to do to to, to part from your coven and, and become an actress? You yeah. know, are you allowed to use your powers for, for personal gain in that way? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. is there like a kind yeah. of, is yeah. there like a, a, a limit? to what yeah. you can do and I, I wish that was the case like that there yeah. was some kind of like oh time no 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 like no, 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 yeah, no, no. not time it. travel yeah um yeah as soon as you start doing that it's like the butterfly effect something else is yeah something else has gone wrong so um not the butterfly effect <laughs> well yeah before before we get to like anything we've missed i just wanted to play you um a, a voice note from uh-huh an extraordinary gentleman, a previous guest yeah. on the podcast, Jack Gregson, who is probably, I don't know, one of the only guys I know who would have been a, a, a teenage boy who would have been, like, really excited for this film the, coming the, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, Jack, you are, a, you are a unique, you are a, you are a diamond in that there is, yeah. there's no one else quite like you. Yeah, take, take, take a listen to what, what, what Jack had to say about this film. When I was about 15, I became obsessed with the mystery that was the 2005 film adaptation of Bewitched. I remember being very excited about it for two reasons. One, I was riding high on Will Ferrell after Anchorman, and two, I loved Nora Ephron. I was a 15-year-old boy who didn't love Nora Ephron. Also, it was an adaptation of a classic TV show. That can be a lot of fun. I think about The Addams Family or The Brady Bunch, for example. When I heard the film was a twist on the old TV show, I was even more intrigued. It was a chance to be fresh and fun, and Nicole Kidman was such a get as Samantha. However, when I finally saw the motion picture, I was crushingly disappointed. What should have been a home-run skewering of old sitcom tropes instead had become a mangled skewering of Hollywood. Which is fine, but the film was so out there, blurring the lines between fact and fiction, never knowing what reality it was supposed to be set in. I couldn't really process it in my mind. So I decided on something. I decided I liked it. Even though I didn't really. It was a strange decision. But for something that had so many ingredients that I liked, to produce a meal so rotten... My teenage mind couldn't really process it. The film itself is a mess, and one I'm still a bit intrigued by today. Where did it all go wrong? I want juicy details. I honestly can't explain how excited I was for the teaser trailer. That was my phantom menace. This has been Jack Gregson with The Bewitched Report. Thank you, Jack. Back to Thank the studio, to, to me and Ari. Um, Thank you, Jack. My goodness. That, yeah, I think, I, think, I think Jack raises some, some interesting points about yes. him, especially in like, yeah, like we were saying, like Nicole Kidman hadn't really done anything like this. It's kind of like, wow. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, 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 I now long for like the book on the making of this do you know what I mean like like yeah. whilst digging yeah because obviously you, you try and figure out like anyone done like a res- retrospective interview about it or anything like uh-huh. that is there any kind of 
dirt under the fingernails of this film. Not that anyone was like misbehaving or anything like that, but just like What's the things team? went wrong. Or do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. like it, it, did it, yeah. Did, I don't know who. Who's to say? Maybe if Nora Ephron was still with us, she she she, she would. She, yeah. She could have mentioned like, you know what? That one didn't. In hindsight, didn't work out the way the way we intended. Even though I think mm. her, her like her intentions were were right. I think they were quite right. Yeah, they were quite clear as well to me. Yeah, and she she, she what what's really great with her commentary track as well. She kind of opens up just mentioning about like different readings of the tv show that like she had mm. she had spoke to people uh, about in the past and like uh, how friends of hers like um said like uh some of her friends had mentioned like bewitched being a very f- like it's a feminist like kind yeah. of story and then like another friend had a reading that the the show is kind of about like without without obviously doing it is about kind of interracial marriages and that thing of like do you know what I mean? Back in the 60s, yeah. probably something like... Uh, it was really sensitive. And wouldn't have got put on TV, actually, yeah. depicting a interracial marriage. But yeah. it's kind Into of a way... species now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever witches are, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like... Well, yeah, and and then she said, like, her reading was it's all, was always about that kind of power dynamic you have in a marriage or or a relationship in general and kind of like especially for the 60s it's that thing of women starting to take that power Mm -hmm. back a bit it wasn't kind of um at the point yet when like yeah i think she comments on the fact that throughout the whole run of the the tv show like seven years or however long it ran for seven seasons or whatever it ran for that not not at a single point does Samantha get a job, for instance. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like that time in the sixties it was still very much white picket fences and the men go out to work and the the the, the women stay at home. And I dunno, I guess well I, 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 yeah, I guess something we, we really need to bring up in this whole conversation is obviously this was like uh paid homage to in, in Bewitched, like in uh wandavision like uh yeah. last year so like how do you think that guy because that yeah obviously like reimagined uh mm. bewitched to away how do you think they handled it in in wandavision if you saw that i did see wandavision i saw it every week every i was there every single episode and i'm very i've, I've grown very indifferent to, to marvel stuff and i thought it was such an interesting idea to be like Okay, yeah, Wanda's gonna do different TV shows in different eras of, of television to, to to you know, at the time we didn't know it was because she was like processing her grief and, and things like that. But I loved her, yeah. I love Lucy Bewitched phase because they did shoot it in front of a live studio audience. They did use practical effects, um, similar to how they shot it then, as opposed to, you know, CG flying plates. Um and and I thought it was a lot of fun to pay homage to that. But then again, it goes back to that thing we were talking about earlier, how now references have become so surface level and, and the idea of, 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 a, of a meta commentary has, has gone out the window is not even commentary anymore. It's kind of just like, oh, yeah, here it's meta. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think since since community probably where any sort of mainstream meta analysis of film or television have been um, really thoughtful. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, 
in regards to this film, I think this does. Yeah, I think having its cake and eating it is a is a like a perfect summation yeah. of this film because it like yeah. is obviously like, and I guess it's that thing. I had a, had a conversation like uh, a couple of months back now of a friend of mine, mm. and he was like talking about like uh, the recent Scream film and like yeah. things that are like yeah, yeah, yeah. oh we're poking fun at this trope we're poking fun at this trope but we're still doing that trope do you know what yeah. I mean it's like oh we're really going to play about with we know like wink wink we know what we're doing you're expecting the killer to like be there when we close the fridge we're not going to do that but we are going to do that in a bit but it's not going to be the fridge it's going to be it's going to be the break room it's going to be the yeah, yeah. it's going to be yeah. it's, it's, it's going to be something else and I think the way this film kind of circumvents doing that is like, oh, what we're going to do, it's going to be on set so we can kind of hide behind like the artifice of they're filming something, but we're still going, there's a, there, there's something, there's something yeah. for you. There, there's like a kind of, uh, for the, for the diehard fans of the original yeah, show would be yeah. like, oh, that's, that's referencing season two, episode four, like when that happened, that's doing that. And obviously we see clips yeah, of the show. Of the show, the yeah, film, yeah, yeah. And then there's things in those clips, and because I kind of watched the film, and then like uh, I watched the pilot again. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the black and white pilot again. And I, I was kind I, of just like, yeah, because yeah, I watched the film and then kind of like pulled it up like straight away, and then watched like it with the commentary. And I noticed that like there's stuff that's like when Samantha's uh, Samantha when Isabel is watching like the tv show stuff that happens in the tv show bleeds into her and then later on in the film she uses like those Those, tricks in her life so i think when a gust of wind like with an x flay or like someone yeah like it blows her hair back and like yeah 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 when when when, um, the ex-wife's wig came (laughs) yeah is exactly is exactly something we see in, in the sitcom I I, kind of like that but then also I'm like I don't know it does fall into that trap of like being like oh yeah we're we're trying to circumvent this but at the same time we are still doing it yeah yeah it's definitely a fine line to walk and a tough line to walk Uh as well yes um like I can't imagine like again I keep bringing up adaptation because what a fucking film but I can't imagine Susan Orlean just being like Oh, you know what? It was a bit mm, because of specific like choices like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, it's really interesting. Uh, um, and yeah, it's definitely having your cake and eating it with Bewitched. But um, I think it's like a, it's a really. Ex- I think I find Bewitched really accessible. You know, for 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 anyone interested in in any sort of, 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 of commentary on Hollywood. I feel yeah. like it's super accessible because there are plenty more films that are a bit more brainy, a bit more hard to reach in terms of, of where you can watch it or or just the cultural thing of like, oh, this is for the film people, mm-hmm. for the fucking film bros, is a bit, yeah, yeah. you know? Um, I, I, think yeah, it, well, I think it works on that level for like mm. almost like an entry level kind of like... Yeah. And for... For mainstream audiences as well. Yeah, it's kind for of like, sure, for sure. It's, yeah, like you're saying, like adaptation, like mm. is a real head scratcher. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's mm. kind of, I don't know. You can almost mark adaptation in one of those films, like it is for the film bros, and like it's even like if you're kind of like 
somebody like imagine like we are where it's like we understand the the workings of how films are put together and stuff yeah. like that and it works on and it can be like quite a depressing film as well it's kind of it like is. You need I, every to, time i go see it like i see it at the prince charles when i was living here once a year i cry every time i leave that screening yeah you have to kind of like stagger out your view it's not as bad as like requiem for a dream where it's like <laughs> oh what's that like every 10 years like you yeah. st- there's still enough to enjoy yeah. an adaptation where it's like yeah once a year yeah once like, a year is fine yeah i have to uh, yeah perfect blue i have to watch once every three years if not you know because because it's so intense mm-hmm. yeah but again touches on on the the medium itself which i feel like storytelling wise it's so interesting to be able to uh, that i think more as the internet grows and grows and things like that more and more we get to analyze how we consume things as we as we consume them but by that same token we've also stopped doing that this is Paige, the co-host of giggly squad and i want to tell you about a company that i've been loving olive and june olive and june gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box and if you break it down it really comes out to two dollars a manicure which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Right, yeah, have we covered everything you wanted to cover with this film, uh, Ari? Is there anything else that we're we're missing? I feel like we have. I mean, I always thought it was funny when, whenever, um, what's her name? Uh, Miss Rhode Island from 
<laughs> Miss Congeniality is also in it. I've forgotten her name. Heather Burns. Uh, Heather Burns. Nina. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. She has, like... Nina. Yeah, when she everything like she should get a job. She should have a job. Which is like again, like you were saying in the original show, Samantha never had a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then yeah, she has these great little like yeah. She chips in with solutions for the problems, and like I, I wrote them down because her first one's like, um, like <laughs> we yeah we could burn his. We could, yeah, we could burn his trailer down. They're just like, we should electrocute him. There's a lot of wires here. And then, like later on in the film, it's like, I could Photoshop pictures of him with farmyard animals. Farm animals, yeah. If we or, have a naked picture of him, we can we can Photoshop him with farm animals. Yeah, and it's like we taser him and throw him in the shark tank at SeaWorld. It's like, whoa! Like all her oh, suggestions, yeah. like let's just kill Jack. And like, yeah, kinda... let's just again, maybe murder is not the answer in this in this universe. Apparently, <laughs> I, I, I do like her kind of, um, I don't know, like chaotic energy that she brings to it. Normally, like in a rom com, especially, there's like that sidekick character is the voice of reason. Yeah, I, I like that this film subverts an agent that of chaos. Yeah, both like kind of. Her and Maria are like, are not like, not that helpful or not kind of like, yeah, they're not kind of like, oh, here's the solution to your problem. And then the protagonist like ignores it. And then, yeah, it's more like they're not helpful and the protagonist has to figure it out by themselves, Uh, which is a nice, it's a nice subversion of of the trope for sure. Um, Yeah. And I think that's something Nora Ephron and Penny Marshall um, understand really well is, is, they've got those trips in their veins and they can do what they want with it and it'll be entertaining at the very least. It doesn't always have to, it doesn't always land. It may not always be good, but it'll always be entertaining because they know what they're doing, you know? Um, definitely, definitely. So as, yeah, as we start to wind things down, I always mm-hmm. ask my guests, did you manage to find any other Coppola connections within this film? And what I mean by that is, is anyone who is in this film or worked on this film, did they work with the Coppola's elsewhere in their filmography did you manage to find any i mean aside from nicole kidman and she's in the beguiled right i didn't imagine that she's in the beguiled and she's also in trespass with nicholas cage is in trespass with nicholas cage i recall yes (laughs) (laughs) so i've I've got a few here we've got Mm -hmm. uh will ferrell is in between two fans the movie uh Mm -hmm. alongside jason schwartzman's in that movie at some point Mm -hmm. um shirley mclean is in Guarding Tess um, with Nicolas Cage. No way. A film that is... I forgot. Heavily referenced in mm-hmm. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent of all Yes, things. yes, <laughs> uh, I recall. <laughs> Michael Caine is in The Weatherman with Nicolas Cage. And Heather Burns mm-hmm. plays Leah in Bored to Death. Uh, for multiple seasons, uh, yeah, alongside Jason Schwartzman. And Jim Turner is oh, in yeah. The Overnight with Jason Schwartzman as well. Ah, small world. Yeah, so well, there's just so many Coppolas. They're going to have worked yeah. with people. They're going to work with everyone at yeah. some point. There's a uh, Coppola on every continent. <laughs> Coppola on every corner. Yeah. <laughs> so let's rate this film, Harry. And the way we do that here is mm-hmm. uh, what would be the perfect wine pairing for this film obviously the coppolas they love they love their wine uh, yeah it's pay for it hasn't francis ford coppola sold his little winery like i think he sold a big chunk a big of it chunk of it okay to yeah. fund his to kind fund, of mm-hmm. passion project which is yeah uh, you got a hats off to the man like of course that's the hustle right there mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah 
since Netflix is going to stop throwing money at these, you oh, know, vanity projects. Van- I think vanity projects. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh, literally, I read that headline and I rolled, the, the, my eyes rolled to the back of my head. Yeah, like, it's like, oh, we won't give. <laughs> Leave Marty alone. Leave him out of this. Yeah. Keep his name out your mouth. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I don't know. I think it's the, the D. De- they could have, they could have definitely just, the de-aging. I think that's what, that's what tipped that budget <laughs> up too high. I've got problems with that de-aging, but that's not, that's not for here. That's for another time. Yeah, that's not for here. That's not this podcast. Um, <laughs> what, what's the perfect wine pairing for Bewitched? Something that has dry ice in it. Um, <laughs> something I, I feel like, maybe not a wine, but like a blackberry gin would go really nicely with this film. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, or a white wine that has, like you said, dry ice and mm. plenty of green food coloring. Yes. To look like some kind of, and it has to be bubble, drunk bubble, out, toil and trouble. Has to be drunk out of a um, of a cauldron or, or no a martini glass. A like, martini glass, to, yeah. For some reason, because it's very sixties, it's very it kind is, of yeah, hey, hey, swinging. Hey, like. Yeah. Oh, I had this brilliant um, wine. I went to dinner with some friends, and and the the chef came down and she was like you should try this um it's it's a natural wine it's a citrus wine and i was like oh that's fabulous and then when when this question came up i was like i thought about that so something summery and citrusy and then nice. yeah, yeah that yeah. would go with the witched so how, how how much are we paying for this aka is this film any good is it a bottom shelf middle shelf or top shelf uh wine i'd give it a middle shelf but like a middle shelf at a at a Sainsbury's, you know, not a Waitrose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, I think I think this is this film kind of. I don't know. I don't think it deserves the kind of slagging that, like, mm. especially when I put out to people, for like, sure, for have sure. you seen this film? I would like, and when people say it's like it's Nora Ephron's worst, it's like, yeah, but have you seen that, Michael? Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but it's like that's a. That's a pretty. That's a pretty great career. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh, for sure. What an insane run of films. <laughs> yeah. So it's like one of them has to be the worst, and this is it. And it's I don't. Know, it kind of feels like the the demarcation of middle of the road. Almost this film. It's kind yeah. Of, it is, yeah. It is, exactly. It's and. And in the in the sort of like culture of, I hate this word discourse that we live in now, where middle of the road isn't like there's no place for it anymore even though that's really stupid there is a place for it because literally it is the middle of the road <laughs> like well yeah we live we i think we live in a time of binary where it's like mm. it is just either this is shit or this is brilliant the the, the best thing the best, ever the best you've ever seen yeah or the worst and it's like yeah. hey like i have probably enjoyed way more three star movies and i've mm. probably seen way more three star movies than i have like yeah kind of objectively if you look at them like and this is becoming a regular thing on this podcast Mm. like me mentioning this but the most fun i've had in the cinema this year is i went to see like near the end of its run as well like i'm talking like the second to last week it was in cinemas so ambulance in the cinema and it was like the it was a fucking riot, wasn't it? The most fun I have had in the cinema. Oh my but God. like, I'm sure, like objectively, if mm. like you kind of come down, and I'm, I, 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 I'm almost interested to just pull up the, yeah, the, uh, 
the Rotten Tomatoes score. And I wouldn't be surprised if it kind of does fall in the middle of, like, do you know what I mean? The middle of yeah. the table, that film. Because, yeah, like, it is. It's pro- a Michael Bay film where he's like, hey, I really want to fuck an ambulance. Let's go make that movie. Yeah, so it's like um, a 69% of Rotten Tomatoes. That yeah. Like a 50, there you go. <laughs> Metacritic, 50%. 69, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> but that Good Metacritic is 50%. Yeah. So, like, it, it probably is, like, the definition of, like, a three-star movie. Yeah. But. It's a riot. I'll take, I'll take free ambulances mm. over, like, stuff that's, like, five-star, like, real worthy stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, like, for sure. For yeah, sure. My, my kind yes. of uh, film habits are very much know feeding the the soul the brain the brain can take a di- like a bit of time off do you know what I mean like, I think the brain's exhausted I I, I, I I suffer with like anxiety and all, all types of yeah. stuff it's like my brain's working overtime the rest of the time it's like I just want to see Yaya Abdul Mateen the second oh uh, my oh, yeah. the love of my and, life and Jake Gyllenhaal sharing some airpods listening to Chris Christopher Cross's sailing and then fucking all hell breaks loose yeah. on LA. That's what I want to see. Classic. <laughs> oh, it's fabulous. Um, I do adore ambulance, by the way. I'm a huge <laughs> sucker for stuff like that. And I famously enjoy terrible movies. Some of my favorite films have won countless Razzies. If not my favorite film ever has won the most Razzies. Um Showgirls. Yeah. Oh, it's just like I, I I feel like people are too are a bit too up their asses about enjoying things, and and I I don't want to be one of those people who's like oh just let people enjoy whatever they want. But like if you yourself can't enjoy can't admit to yourself that you enjoy something, what is the fucking point? Yeah, that's like I live a life of not believing in guilty pleasures. Yes, it's, exactly. I do my, not believe in guilty pleasures. That's my binary. It's you either enjoy it or you don't enjoy it. It's not about like. There's degrees of enjoying it, but nothing should ever be. You should never be ashamed of. of yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. it's not guilty. Like, do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I like. As a guilty in the sense that, like, you shouldn't be ashamed that other people don't like it and you do. Like, well, yeah, so I, I, I don't know why this has come to my head, but I really love Last Friday Night by Katy Perry. And it's, it's like. It's a great song. Exactly. And it's, it's a like. Pop song. <laughs> it's, it's a. Oh my God. If I hear it in the club. Oh. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that, that kind of like. That sax solo as well, that kind of like like transition into that is like, mm. oh baby, like yeah, it's We're the ultimate in for pop a treat. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so oh, yeah, on that thing of um, no guilty pleasures and kind of yes. um, talking about these, bi- yeah, talking about <laughs> talking about how we live in a time of binaries. Um, based on this film alone, mm-hmm. are the Coppola's the greatest film family of all time? Yes, if you can have this under your belt, hell yes. <laughs> Are you mad? It's um, Nora Ephron. Penny Marshall produced it. Jason Schwartzman is lucky to be in this. <laughs> like, that, the, yeah, that's the, the, that's what I want to hear. I'm glad. I'm glad yeah, yeah, I'm glad that you're a you're passionate and you you like this one. That's why that's what I enjoy about. I love this one. Doing this and like yeah. Um, if it, I'm sure if it was me and just another like cisgendered like white guy. white guy yeah it'd probably like it, it'd, it'd probably be something completely different and that's what I, that's what i love about this is getting different people on who kind of are passionate about these different films and mm. 
I think it, I don't know. It, it makes it, yeah, it makes me kind of look at these films with a bit more of a, I don't know, kinder lens, I guess. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, I think it's so easy as a podcaster sometimes to be like, oh, yeah, to just slash oh, it off. Like, I love how did this get made? Let's kind of just like kick films. I, like, yeah, yeah I like, but yeah. I feel like, how did this get made? They do it kind of also from a place of love, like. They, yeah, they, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, because they've they've all they've all made movies. They know what, they've all made they... movies. Yeah, and they're also kind of like, I wish this was better. I wish this was, you know, a certain way, as opposed to be like, oh, this is so bad. Nobody should ever see it. I can't like, um, you know, like I I love Fast and Furious movies. Yeah, but I I think yeah. what 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 yeah what the point I was trying to get at is like mm. they can do that because they're the collective experience within the film industry and. Mm. Paul yeah. and Jason's years of UCB training yeah. kind of like just be so quick-witted. Whereas when just some random couple of white dudes in their basement try and do yeah. it, it just comes across as, hey, let's just be mean about movies that like hundreds yeah. of people have spent time making. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also kind of like sometimes it, it's, 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 yeah, slagging things off, masquerading is criticism and it's not productive yeah. to any sort of conversation. Hey, I hold yeah. my hands up. Like I've, I've, I've done it in the past and I've learned, oh, this, same. learned, learned oh my the gosh. error of my ways. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So let's close this out by mm-hmm. uh, asking you two final questions. The first mm-hmm. one being, yeah. which Coppola family member would you keep? But in doing so, you get rid of the entire filmographies of the rest of the family. Ah. Oh. So I have such a soft spot for Wild at Heart. So I could say Nick, but, but I don't think I want to live in a world without the bling ring. <laughs> so I would keep Sophia. <laughs> Sorry, everybody else. No, I was, I was like, <laughs> I was talking to someone just yesterday on mm. an episode for Birdcage and same answer was Sophia Coppola. I said like, that one day when I eventually get out to LA, one of the things I'm most excited about is kind of doing like a whistle stop tour of like locations from yes. the bling ring and somewhere. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Try, exactly. Try, exactly. Hop, hop in a wall. Like, oh my God, Paris Hilton's house. <laughs> well, like it made me think there is a moment in this film where there's like a pink tiled, yes. um, mm-hmm. like pool area with like, mm-hmm. and I think it's the Hollywood, it's called like the Hollywood hotel or something like that. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that's the spot. Yeah, potentially the same pool from somewhere. Yeah. Or at least like, yeah, like it's that same location where like. Yeah, it's, or a similar styled location. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of, because ma- I think that film is like masquerading as like it's the Chateau Mamont, but it's not. Yeah. So I think it might, yeah. I think it, I, I, I should look into it. I'm sure there's probably a website of famous, yeah. famous film, film locations. locations and yeah. ones that match up. If not. So I will make the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, let's close out by asking you, Ari, mm. what does Bill Murray say to Scarlett Johansson at the end of Lost in Translation? Oh, that's great. Oh my gosh. Um, I actually think about this maybe once a year. Like, what is he, what the hell is he whispering to her? Because she just says, okay. Um, so what I think he's whispering is that if um, don't consume any dairy, you're lactose intolerant, okay? And then she's like, okay, that's what I think he says to her. <laughs> You'll have the shits for weeks. Yeah. Like, 
just like, lay off treat it. yourself better please like your digestive system deserves a break believe it or not but i've come from the future and in the future <laughs> ben and jerry's do a vegan option and you won't have to worry when you're sad and want to eat a liter of ice cream you can do it guilt-free yeah in more and more places in the future offer oat milk as an alternative <laughs> for your coffee so you won't get the runs twice um, <laughs> and even further in the future you won't have to pay for that milk alternative yes. <laughs> <laughs> amen amen yeah 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 uh yeah james cromwell fighting the good fight yeah uh, gluing himself to a starbucks uh counter um, slay yeah, I'm sure that's. I'm sure by the time this episode's out, people will be like, "Why is he quoting something from 20 years ago?" Yeah, like, <laughs> as as fast as the internet moves these days, I'm sure. For all we know, James James Cromwell could still be there, and if he is, my hat goes off to you, sir. You're Solidarity with fight. James Cromwell gluing himself to a Starbucks. Yeah, the the ultimate um, the ultimate Ewan uh roy move right yeah the <laughs> literally the ultimate you and roy move and greg would be like my, my grandpa's like he's like locked himself inside a starbucks i don't know tom i don't know like just... yeah greg has to come in to get like the office's order do you know what i mean like yeah like, oh, like, oh, oh, grandpa what are you doing here <laughs> yeah <laughs> amazing well where can yeah where can people keep up to date with you arian all the things you're doing whether it is the sporadic release of uh, your <laughs> podcast or franchise i know that's that, that that's yeah. kind of taken a bit of a, a pause at the moment but we have yeah when are you guys coming back and what are you going to be talking about when you come back we are coming back soon as um uh phil's just wrapped shooting his film and John is moving house and I'm I'm still in London uh, for another month. So um, I don't really know when we'll come back. I think that's more of a John question than an uh -huh. Ari question. Ari doesn't know many things about <laughs> things going on. Um, but we will be talking about the Twilight Saga up next. Nice. Right? Yeah, it's based and it's of something I can talk about with no preparation <laughs> whatsoever. I have encyclopedic knowledge of that franchise. Because I was their target audience the first time round. <laughs> Perfect. But well, I, yeah, I look forward to it. That's always great. And I'm, yeah, I'm always, I'm, I'm always so like astonished and amazed that I get to be like on a podcast network with you guys as well. Because like, I was first and foremost fans of what you guys like oh, did, mate. like with the podcast and the cast and stuff. Like oh my that. god, we were we were always asked to your podcast. Like literally, it's just like a mutual <laughs> admiration thing. And yeah. to the point where like, I was like, John, you should ask, you should ask that, Charles. <laughs> um, and here we are. <laughs> so. Amazing. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for coming and making some Copa connections with me. Oh, thank you for having me. It has been wonderful. There you have it, guys. A massive thank you once again to Ari for this episode and coming and joining me. And thank you as ever to you guys for listening because without you listening, this would basically just be a phone call, right? This would be two people talking. And as enriching and lovely as it is to discuss things with people, 
in the medium of a podcast it is great to know that there are people out there listening so thank you thank you from the bottom of my heart from my very bones i thank you um and i I really really mean it uh so yeah if you are out there if you want to um correspond if you want to flash your torches you want to you want to twist you want to twitch your noses you want to you want to do whatever uh to, to let me know that you are listening and you want to you want to get involved in the conversation if there's films by the coppola family uh yeah that, that you want to see covered anytime soon let me know and i can see if i can get it to work i've got um got a whole host of guests lined up i just need to whittle my way through that list but yeah don't hesitate to get in touch and you can do so by heading over to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterbox, and TikTok, all at CagedInPod. Or you can drop me an email, which is CagedInPod at gmail.com. As for next week on the podcast, I'm going to leave that as a big old question mark because I've got a couple of things uh, recorded and stuff like that. I don't know which one I'm going to drop. I'm going to... A little little tease for you. Sometimes we like to do that over here. We like to we like to keep you guessing what's going to happen. But one thing I can tell you is this Friday on the podcast, it will be episode one, um, a seat at the table of the offer. So those of you who may not know, Paramount Plus did a series, a ten part mini series, all about the making of The Godfather, called The Offer. Um, starring Dan Fogler, Matthew Good, and Miles Teller, Juno Temple, Giovanni Rabisi. There's a whole host of people popping up in that show. So myself and previous guest, Will Chich, will be going through the series episode by episode. We'll be drinking wine, we'll be having a lovely time, and we'll be talking about each episode. uh, The first one is in the can. That'll be dropping next week, and it's a lot of fun. So that'll be a weekly little Friday bonus podcast for you as well as the main podcast and then a whole host of other things happening over on patreon um some of them yeah it's a bit of a gestation period at the moment but there's a lot of things planned i just need to pull my finger out and reach out to the guests i need to start reading the book um that that i'm going to but yeah if you want to sign up to the patreon anyway and uh be 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 there ready for a a cascade of content um yes, there's plenty of content on there already as well uh, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash caged in pod uh, there's the um movie brat bros tier where you can get access to our series on brian de palmer's films and there's five or six episodes up at the moment and they're all fantastic some amazing guests some return guests all return guests uh from the main feed but um speak about something else interesting and it's a lot of fun and yeah for five dollars a month uh you can sign up to the um caged in book club tier where i will be going through movie novelizations of nicholas cage books and somewhat doing a um annotated audiobook form podcast kind of interjecting kind of just having fun just being silly whilst reading these books and it's something to do on my own and it will be yeah I'm hoping it will be fun it will be fun i assure you um and if you enjoyed this episode or any other episode of the podcast please do not hesitate to head on over to apple podcasts spotify google podcast whatever you're listening to if, if you can listen to the podcast uh, i'm there baby and if i'm not let me know and i will be there 
But yeah, leave a five-star rating and review if you could do that. And uh, oh, remember, like, let me know what you think that Bill Murray says Scott Johansson at the end of Lost in Translation. Or let me know your favourite Nicolas Cage film. Or just kind of say, you're doing a bang-up job. Sometimes, guys, I know I may have this bravado and bravara outward image and oh, I'm ready to rock and roll and I'm pumping, pumping. Sometimes I get a little down and I need you to um, boost up self-esteem. That would be lovely if you could do that for me. Or how about we all just just tell a friend. Just tell a friend about this podcast. If there is an episode you particularly enjoyed, how about all of you just tell one friend? And like if, if or if if, if if your friend in passing mentions a film that has been covered on this podcast, go, you know what? I got a podcast for you. I got if someone utters the name Nicolas Cage, go, I have got the fucking podcast for you, baby. And it is caged in. Let's let's take over the fucking world on this podcast, guys. Uh, I I really love doing this. I, I really, 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 really do. And uh, I, lo- I love that people listen. I know, I know, <laughs> I know, I know that that should be a dirty thing, but I'm going to do this for the love, and I do. But at the same time, if more people listen, that would be fucking great, wouldn't it? Imagine that. Imagine being. I don't know. I don't. But I don't know what unattainable goal I'm trying to uh, reach here. But that again is for another time another place maybe not on a podcast but (laughs) on that note i've been petrus pat syllabus your guide through the crazy world of the copal of family tree so remember to stay lovely stay fresh stay warm in the bosom of your family and keep it caged in even on a budget Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.